Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the newest installment of What's Poppin'. It has been a while since uh, there's been a new episode out. I think the last time that I have talked to you all was before Christmas break, but it's been kind of hectic coming back for spring semester, so I do apologize for the hiatus, but it, we're back and it is March, which means, of course, it's March Madness. We are uh, knee-deep into the men's and women's NCAA basketball tournaments, both Division One and Division Two, and I am joined by a special guest here on the pod today, um, Keegan Stewart, a professor of mass media and communications here at Lubbock Christian University. He is also the social media director for Lubbock Christian University, and he has is the host of his own podcast, the Keegan Stewart uh, Sports Podcast. So, how are you doing today, Keegan? Hey, Nick. It's good to it's good to see you today, man. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me this afternoon. Yeah. No problem. There's no one I could think that would probably be uh, more qualified to have on here today <laughs> to talk about uh, stuff like this. So today we're going to go over how the tournament has looked so far, and more specifically. Uh, fill out a second chance bracket, if you will, since uh, we are in the Sweet 16 now. We are not at the start of the tournament. We're halfway through, so we'll fill out a bracket. It's not from the beginning. I do apologize, but the uh, tournament started during spring break. But, hey, the Sweet 16 is really when it gets exciting. So we'll talk about the Sweet 16 onto the national championship and just talk about the tournament. And um, Keegan will be with us for a short time today, but we're glad that he's here. And so... Um, if we're done by the time he leaves, or if not, I plan on just talking about the tournament and some of my favorite all-time tournament moments from throughout the years, the decades, even sometimes when I haven't uh, necessarily been alive to see some of those moments, but stuff that I've seen afterwards, which is kind of the nice thing about sports is it's so well documented that I know about teams that were around, you know, 20-something years before I was even born, so I think that's really cool. But without further ado... I'd like to jump right in and preview and predict these games going into the Sweet 16. So start starting off tonight at uh, 6.09, tip-off. As of right now, we have Arkansas taking on Gonzaga. Gonzaga has been presumably, you know, the consensus number one all year long. Auburn had a time when they had kind of taken that spot, but Gonzaga's kind of reclaimed it and ran with it all year long. The Bulldogs are one of those teams that, you can consistently predict will be one of the top teams in the nation. They're normally always um, in the tournament, always a one seed or a two seed, always making it you know, to the Sweet 16 or onward. But they're also a team that's um, never fully capitalized on their potential. They've never won a national championship. Um, I think they only have two to three Final Four appearances in their history, even though they have about a 25-year tournament appearance streak. They're just a team that always seems to hit a roadblock no matter how good they are, no matter how talented they are. That last year's team was one of the most talented teams I think we've ever seen in college basketball, and Baylor somehow found a way to exploit their weaknesses and take it uh, away from them at the end. And so I'm really interested to see how this Gonzaga team fares this year, especially against this Arkansas team that is the last team standing from the SEC, one of the typically the best conferences in college basketball. And so Arkansas is a team that uh, likes to play hard-nosed basketball, very physical, very well-coached team by uh, Eric Musselman. This is the team that actually took Texas Tech out of the bracket last year. And so Arkansas is a very well-coached te uh, well team, very good team coming out of the SEC, coming out of Fayetteville. And it's just a team, I don't think it'll be an easy game for Gonzaga. I don't think it's a give-me 
by any stretch of the word. I do think Gonzaga is the better team, but um, Arkansas will give it to you night in and night out. I know they had some struggles against New Mexico State and Vermont earlier in the tournament, but those are two very good, well-coached mid-major teams as well, so I don't think that's indicative of the Razorbacks. And so this is a game I'm really interested to uh, get into tonight and watch, and so I'm interested for your thoughts on this matchup, Keegan. Yeah, Gonzaga... Uh, they're in this. They're in this interesting season, Nick, where they're either about to eclipse a very significant uh, moment for their school or for their university, where they transition to becoming a blue blood, or they kind of remain as what they've been. And you got to describing that a little bit. We're talking about a team that has won more NCAA tournament games than any other university in the last five years which you did a great job of then explaining, but that hasn't equaled any national championships, has it? So that's kind of where they're at. And, you know, we're looking at this West region here, and we, we know the game we're going to talk about next was Texas Tech and Duke, and we know this is Coach K's last year. I'm sure we'll get to that. But there's a, I view this as like a really interesting dynamic where it's like, okay, Duke is here, but they're kind of in this final chapter of Coach K, and then Gonzaga's here, and they've been number one so many times, and they're just trying to make it to that top shelf. So it's almost like who is going to have the torch next? Is it going to be Gonzaga or Duke? That's kind of how I'm viewing this. Looking at this matchup, Nick, uh, yes, you're right. Coach Musselman in Arkansas, they demand their respect, and they, they certainly have it for me. Frankly put, they don't have enough dogs to beat this Gonzaga team, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, the Gonzaga is as loaded as anyone in the nation, pound for pound, talent for ta per talent. Probably the most talented front court with Timmy and Holmgren. Uh, but then their guards are just vastly under-talked about and just so dynamic, and everybody can shoot it. Coach Few has them disciplined. So th uh, to be honest, they c this Gonzaga team can win the whole thing, and I won't be surprised if they do. Now, I'm not saying they're going to. A lot of other dangerous teams on this on this tournament we're looking at here. Mm -hmm. This team could win the whole thing. They beat Arkansas tonight, and I would I would be surprised if if the Razorbacks got them. I I fully agree with you. Um, that's what I was getting at. I do think Gonzaga does have the upper hand. I just don't think that I've been hearing a lot of people like you said with Gonzaga where they have the talent, where a lot of people think they're shoo-ins for the national title. But you said there's a lot of dangerous teams that could trip mm -hmm. them up. I don't think, like you said, the Razorbacks have enough talent to push push all the way through, but I wouldn't be surprised if with like five minutes left in the second half, this is a single-digit game, very close for um, Eric Musselman's squad to maybe think they can take down Gonzaga, but like you said, you have Drew Timmy, you have RJ Nimhart, I think, is mm -hmm. still on that team. You have um, Chet Holmgren, who is one of the... I don't want to say weirdest, but just one of the most unconventional basketball oh, players I've Chet, ever seen. Chet Holmgren's an extraterrestrial. Yes. yes, he is a seven foot one, weighs like one seventy, and just dunks the basketball without even jumping. Just reaches up. Well, and, and more and more impressively, is the handle yeah. of a yeah. guard. He, he has the handle of a guard, and he'll he'll go top three in the draft the this summer. It's yeah. And so, yeah, he's an extraterrestrial. I want to talk about Coach Musselman for a second, Nick. He I mean, he's a top ten coach in college basketball. Uh, in 2018, I want to say the year was, he was coaching Nevada, Nevada yep. Wolfpack, and that's a Mountain West team. I grew up as a Mountain West guy there, Sporting University in New Mexico, the Lobos. I was back in Albuquerque for Christmas break, and uh, the Lobos were playing the Wolfpack there in the pit in Albuquerque. The Lobos were up by 20, 
20 with four minutes to go. The Wolfpack came all the way back, man, and forced overtime and ultimately won. So that was my first impression of Coach Musselman. The, the year after that, Coach Musselman had two double-digit comebacks in the second half of tournament games. This very tournament we're talking about, two double-digit comebacks in the second half consecutively. He then proceeded to run to the locker room with some hot mics on that he didn't know were there, so that made for good, uh, good PR for CBS that day. But this is a gritty organization, and Coach, Mu- coach Musselman's a top-ten coach in this country mm-hmm. for this division. And so I, I just wanted to speak to that. Uh, they're not going to beat Gonzaga, but that's what we're looking at with the Razorbacks there. Yeah, definitely. They demand respect, and I think if they might have drawn any other matchup besides maybe Gonzaga, or if they were in any other region besides the West, I would be pulling for the Razorbacks a little bit more. And uh, I as well know Eric Musselman. I don't have an up-close, like you said, at the pit in Albuquerque, but I remember watching that Nevada team. And they were a team, like you said, Mountain West isn't a major, major conference. And I remember in that tournament, they were beating, like, Blue Bloods. They were beating Cincinnati back when they were, like, a two-seed and just made an absolute run to the – I want to say they made it all the way to the Elite Eight win in Musselman's last year. I think so. And that Nevada team was just – it was stacked. It was one of the best, you know, Mountain West teams to come out in the last recent years. So a lot of respect for Coach Musselman in Arkansas, but I would agree with you. I think Gonzaga moves on to their second Elite Eight in a row looking to get back to that national championship game. And so moving on to finish out the West region, uh, you alluded to it earlier. We have a big matchup, especially for us here in Lubbock, Texas. I would say um, the biggest one so far, biggest one this year, Texas Tech versus Duke. Duke is like about as big of a basketball school as you can get besides maybe North Carolina and UCLA, but I mean Duke is a blue blood, blue blood. They are a top dog, and you have Texas Tech, which, like you said, is kind of in that area with Gonzaga, where they're trying to cement, they're trying to get there, trying to get to that <laughs> level of as of a blue blood, but they're not there yet. Definitely one of the best teams that we've seen these last five years with Coach Adams and Coach Beard. I hate to bring him up, but he was part of their. Uh, original success and so tech is up there kind of in the same vein as gonzaga where they're trying to make a name for themselves they actually have beat the bulldogs in the tournament when they uh, made their final four national championship game run for the red raiders so this is a very intriguing game um, just because of that whole i do think the teams match up from a basketball perspective very well duke is a very heavy um, post in the paint player, drive it down the lane. They're not a very big, heavy shooting team. They're a very fundamental team. Coach K has them coached very well, very disciplined. They don't play flashy basketball, but they play enough to where they can um, out just outplay you. That's how they beat Michigan State playing out. They didn't you know, have any high-flying dunks or crazy three-pointers when they beat Michigan State. They beat Michigan State with fundamentals. And Texas Tech is a fundamental team, but I would argue they're more fundamental from the air of defense. Mark Adams is a very defensive-minded coach. They do not allow people to score down the lane in the paint, uh, stuff like that. In that Notre Dame game, we saw Notre Dame scored a majority of their points off of just open three-point looks. When Notre Dame got in the paint, they either got fouled or they got stuffed. And so Mark Adams has a very favorable matchup, I would say, But then again, you're playing the Duke Blue Devils. Yeah, that's a team where even if you match up perfectly well between them, you still have to go into that game 
and you have to get past the mental aspect, which I don't think would be a giant problem for Texas Tech because we play – I say we. I'm not that big of a Tech fan, but I just said we. Um, they play Kansas twice a year. They play Baylor twice a year. Those are teams that are high-level uh, names in NCAA basketball at this point. And, but I still think going into this arena tonight in San Francisco and having to look across the court and seeing Coach K sitting there in what could be his last game – you know he's going to bring some physicality to that game. You know he's going to not want to go out at 99 tournament wins. He's going to want that big 100. So I do think the Tech, in my opinion, um, not being objective as possible, I think Texas Tech has the upper hand in this game. And the money line agrees. Texas Tech is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. And so I do think they match up evenly. But when you're playing Duke, you can win or lose any any given day. Look, you're right. Texas Tech when they take the floor tonight, there's not going to be this level of intimidation. There's not going to be this level of, oh, my goodness, that's the Duke Blue Devils. There's not going to be any of that. Yeah, These guys aren't built like that. They don't operate like that. The culture doesn't produce the mindset of fear. Okay, These guys believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. One thing that's interesting, Nick, guess how many games Texas Tech has played this year against top 25 opponents? Uh, you don't have to guess. What would you guess? I mean, the Big 12 is stacked, yes. and then they played Gonzaga as well in non-conference, Providence, mm-hmm. Tennessee. I would say at least 10. Very good. 11. <sighs> Very good. Duke has played two. Yeah. What? Duke, Duke has played against two. What, like Gonzaga and – I don't even know the ACC. I don't didn't. even know either. Yeah. But they're 2-0 and o against top 25 opponents, and Texas Tech's 7-4. and four. Okay. This is a contrast of styles. Who has more talent? Duke. It's not close. Nick, all five of Duke's starters might get drafted in the first round. Mm-hmm. That's that's just a fact. Who has who has more talent? Duke does. That does not necessarily mean that they're going to score more points than Texas Tech tonight. You are going Duke is going to play a defense that they have seen nothing like all year long. Um th- it's going to it's going to be a matter of who gets hot. That's how Duke wins this game. Either Paolo goes crazy, you know, the, uh, Paolo Bancaro, who, again, like we mentioned about Chet Holmgren, is going to go top three or top five this summer in the NBA draft. Star power all over the floor. Keels comes in off the bench. He's one of the most physical guards in the nation. Tech's going to have their hands full, okay? But they are going to guard. They're not going to make things easy. If you're Duke, you're looking at Texas Tech like, what do we do? Well, Let's try and not let Bryson Williams get going. It appears when Bryson Williams gets going, that's when they have their most success. So I assume they're going to try and take away Bryson. The only way Texas Tech wins this game tonight, in my opinion, is if they make at least six three-pointers. I think if if they make six threes or more, they're going to find themselves in a position to win this game. If this game is similar in style to Tech's last game against Notre Dame, and what I mean by that is we got three minutes left, and it's a two-point game. I don't like that for Tech. I, frankly, I was very surprised they managed that against Notre Dame. That is not how they are positioned or, or styled to find victory. Duke, if they're in that position, you got NBA players all over the floor. Isolate and kick it out to someone, they're probably going to find a way to get a bucket. Tech isn't necessarily built by that. If Tech wins this game, Nick, 
They're in control, up by seven, up by eight, up by nine at the under four, and they grind it out, and they'll make their free throws. They're, you know, maybe the advantage is even 11 or 12, and they're grinding it out, and Paolo's in foul trouble. But if it's close, if it's close, if we're possession by possession, it's two minutes, and we and, and Tech has, has to go get a bucket on offense. I don't love it. If you recall in 2019, the way Tech won their games in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight and the Final Four was the former. The very way that I just described it, controlling the game from the outset and not grinding it out. Now, they almost grinded it out against Virginia in the final, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Not quite. Yeah, and that's exactly what you said, I think. The defense is what carries them, but I do think Tech has enough of an offense where they can hang, and like you said, the three is going to be the biggest It's going to be big. Game like changer. If O'Banner gets going, Shannon has to hit a couple of those that he'll get up. If McCuller will knock one down, if Davion can hit one. Mm-hmm. But to me, I, uh, Kevin O'Banner is kind of the X factor. Mm-hmm. He's got the ability. He's the reason we beat Texas in Lubbock. He's the reason we beat Baylor in Lubbock. He has the ability. Mm-hmm. To just go crazy from three. Sometimes they just rain in. I feel like we have to have one of those nights from specifically him, Kevin O'Banner, to find victory. Yeah, and when you speak for that possession-to-possession possession game, uh, I'm a TCU fan by heart, and so we were in one of those games with Arizona, and that's just not a position you want to be in when a team has more talent than you, yeah, has exactly. more experience than you, because we gave Arizona a chance, and they took it and ran with it, and they were a better team. I am extremely uh, proud of the way our guys played in that game, but we were not the better team. If we were to pull that upset off, it was through pure grit. And so if Tech gets in a game like that, maybe they can find themselves on a fortunate side uh, like TCU. I'm not saying they're going to lose if it's a game like that, but I agree with you. That's not the position they want to be in uh, when when the game starts wrapping up tonight. And so I think that's good. I think we both agree that Tech definitely does have a shot, and we'd both say that we're pulling for Tech and think Tech's the favorite. Oh yeah, this I is a. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not here to say uh, Tech's got it. Yeah, I. But I, they very well could win. Yeah, I and listen, Nick. Nothing would bring me more joy than at about eleven o'clock tonight, sitting there watching the TV, realizing that Texas Tech just defeated Coach Shashevsky for in his last game. game. And I'm not. I'm not hating on Coach Shashevsky. But as a Texas Tech fan, as a Texas Tech alumnus, ooh, that would be special. Yes. That would just be special. That would be historic. Uh, we're on, what, what campus are we on right now, Nick? Lubbock Christian University. And what shirt am I wearing? Texas Tech. And, what <laughs> and so I'm over there walking past our VP of branding, my, uh, my boss, Warren McNeil, love him to death. And that's the work we do with PR and branding, social media and things like that. And he's giving me a hard time wearing a Tech shirt, even though we, we tell the story for LCU. I'm like, hey, I'm just being a good neighbor now. Yeah, I'm just not. If there's one day we can wear tech on this campus, it's today. I'm just being a good neighbor and a good alum and supporting the guys down the street. So exactly. Oh, uh, I'm all for tech winning. I'm fired up. I'm I'm counting down the hours. It's almost it's almost two. So we're about yeah. T minus seven seven hours away. Yeah, that's a game I'm super excited for tonight. And just to wrap up and move on to these other games in the Sweet 16, a very intriguing game. I think the best game of the Sweet 16. There's a couple others that may come up there but definitely the highlight of the night tonight definitely and I think a game that we both want Texas Tech to win think they have the talent to but it's a toss-up either way because like we said Duke is Duke but moving on to the next game next region uh, the second game of the night actually is Michigan and Villanova and this matchup to me is extremely intriguing had you asked me 
before Selection Sunday what I think the Wolverines are in. Hmm. I would have said no. And if you asked me when the tournament starts, are the Wolverines in the Sweet 16, I would have said heck no. I would have picked Tennessee by 30 to beat them probably. This Michigan team did not look pretty uh, to end the season. They had some controversy with Coach Juwan Howard. Was it a little bit blown out of <laughs> proportion? Probably. I mean, you if you don't uh, remember, we had Bob Knight coaching in Lubbock, and Bob Knight is maybe not the nicest guy to have on the court sometimes. And so um, – but Michigan, man, they're a team that um, – I think they only have one national championship, but I would go as far as to say Michigan is a blue blood. They are – they're in that same level kind of sort of where they're – they're definitely talented. They're a they're a basketball school as much as they are a football school. Uh, you've had the Fab Five. You have that history. And there's something about Michigan in these last five or six years that seems like if they can find their way into the tournament, they're going to make the most of it. This is a team that was in the national championship game three to four years ago. Uh, the final four, I think two out of the last five years. The Wolverines are a well-coached team with Juwan Howard. And they're a team that I think has talent, but on the flip side of that, man, this Villanova team is one of the best Villanova teams I've seen. And that's talking about a team that's won two national titles in the last five to six years. Coach Jay Wright, a Villanova alum, uh, he's a very, very good coach. One of the best, like you said, top ten coaches with muscle men. Jay Wright is right up there, I would say, maybe top five oh, even yeah. for e Jay Wright. Easily, easily. And – this Villanova squad, what, what I like so much about this Villanova team is, like I said with Duke, they're not flashy or anything like that, but this Villanova team, they will beat you just with straight-up basketball. Mm -hmm. They have a 90-plus percent free-throw shooting percentage. That's incredible, and no one's talking about it because, you know, it's not the flashiest stat. Oh, I make my free-throws. But that's the difference between the game. If you watch that Ohio State game, Ohio State came back and then fouled them and fouled them and tried to come back by putting them on the line. And Villanova just killed them by shooting free throws. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference for Jay Wright's squad is they're disciplined. They have those fundamentals down. I do think Juwan Howard's squad in Michigan can make a run for it. But I really like this Villanova team. And they're very battle-tested. The Big East is one of the best conferences in college basketball. You have Villanova, Marquette, Creighton, Xavier, um, Georgetown. Not too great this year, but they're normally a pretty decent team. The the Big East is a nice conference, like the Big 12 as well. And so, personally, I'm taking the Wildcats, but I do think the Wolverines are a good team. Props to Juwan Howard from taking this team to, in a lot of people's opinions, not even shouldn't have even made the tournament to a Sweet 16 appearance. And so, I'm taking the Wildcats to move on to the Elite Eight. I really like this squad, but uh, all props and respect to Michigan for making it this far in the in the tournament. I'll keep this one short and simple, and to be uh, transparent with you, Nick, I'll probably have to be short and simple if I want to get through all of them, as I've yeah. got six minutes. But I like Michigan. I mean, I like Jawan Howard a lot. He was a part of Miami Heat in 12 and 13 when LeBron got his first second title. <laughs> and I like the Fab Five a lot. Fab Five, a lot, okay? Villanova's going to win this game. And Villanova can win a national title. If Michigan wins this game, they're not getting much further. Michigan cannot win a national title this year, in my opinion. No. That's how I see this game. Yeah. All right. It's a short and sweet and moving on. <laughs> we have our next game in that South region. I know this is the South region because that's the one TCU was in. But we have Houston and Arizona, the team that took out my Horn Frogs. Very nice game. It was a great game to end the night. I can say that even though my team lost. It was very entertaining to watch. 
And, man, this matchup is so intriguing to me because you have Arizona who plays with their young talent, high-flying offense, not a lot of defense coming out of the Pac-12. And you have Houston and Kelvin Sampson and Kyler Edwards and all them. They are, stat-wise, the best defensive team in the country. They have the best defensive efficiency out of any team. I would argue Texas Tech is up there, and it's probably just because of the conference differential that Houston has the best. But, man, I really like this Houston team. And you going to pick them? Yeah. I You going with them? I'm going with the Houston team. Right. I I do think Arizona's a good team. Um, and I'm not just saying this because TCU was close with them. They they didn't impress me in that victory. Um, and our defense, TCU's defense is not good at all. And we held them, you know, pretty low. We're stripping the ball a lot, and maybe they'll learn from that. But this Houston team, I watched them against Illinois and Kofi Coburn. They were shutting him down. They were blocking out. They were making shots down the floor. And I just – there's something about this Houston team, and I feel the same feeling I did last year, and that team made a Final Four. They got shut down by eventual nas- national champion Baylor, and I feel like this is the same thing that may happen. I feel like this Houston team is good, but I don't think they have the talent to, per se, make that next level to national champion level. But I definitely do think they have Final Four talent on this team. I just really like the way they play defense. They – held that Memphis team to really low that we saw almost upset Gonzaga, which, of course, in March it's way different. But I just there's something about this Houston team. I can't explain it other than I have a gut feeling. And so my first quote-unquote upset, even though in the Sweet 16 anyone can win, I like the Cougars in this matchup. That's good. That was a good breakdown, Nick. I think they can beat Arizona. I think Arizona's a little green as far as their experience in this tournament. As I mentioned about Gonzaga earlier, that Arizona's the same way and that they're very loaded and can beat anybody. I'm probably going to stick with uh, Zona here, but I, I, I could see Houston getting them. TCU almost got, got them, for yeah. goodness sake. Yeah. No disrespect to, to the Horned Frogs. Yeah, that's exactly they're good. They're a good team, but Arizo- Arizona's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I see that one. Yeah, TCU almost got them, and Houston is a way better team than we are. Mm-hmm. No, no disrespect to my... My guy's over in Fort Worth, but we are not a high-level team like Houston. We do not play defense like they do. And so, yeah, I think the Cougars got it. And so that wraps up our uh, day today in the Sweet 16. So those are our four teams in the Elite Eight. And tomorrow we start things off with St. Peter's and Purdue, which this is probably the hardest game for me to predict because everyone loves the Cinderella story. And I don't think anyone saw this St. Peter's team coming. It's kind of like the Oral Roberts team that came out last year, except the difference with that was Oral Roberts still had a lot of the high seeds left to face. And so I feel like if there's any chance for, you know, a big 15 seed to somehow miraculously make the Final Four, it's this St. Peter's team. But, man, they ran into a buzzsaw with Purdue. You have Zach Eady in the post and down low, and that man is an animal. I watched him play against Texas, and he was he was the leader of that team. It's normally Jaden Ivey. In my opinion, the best college basketball player or one of them this yeah, season. Another top three. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. Coming out of the Big Ten for Purdue. And I Kentucky was a good team. Murray State was a good team, a team that I thought could be the sleeper coming out. And so all props to the Peacocks. They beat some high level, you know, teams with some talent, but I think Purdue is hungry. They're going they're one of the last representatives of the Big Ten after they got nine teams in. And so I think, unfortunately, this dream season for the Peacocks comes to end here and Purdue moves on and tries to make a bid for the Final Four. Yeah, 
Yeah, it ends. It ends tomorrow night. Yeah, it does. Um, too much talent, too much experience. Purdue's a very uh, well experienced tournament team, by the way. Mm-hmm. They're often in it. Uh, so yeah, I see it for San Diego. Yeah, it hurts to say it. You love the story. They're definitely in the history books, but I don't see much further for the Peacocks. And so moving on, a team that we both know far too well, the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, normally the the top dog of the Big Twelve, uh, year in and year out. They technically were again. They won the conference title. I still think Texas Tech uh, is a better team. I just think they got some bad bad draws on the Jayhawks. They're taking on the Providence Friars, another team that took down Texas Tech earlier in the year, and a team that won the Big East regular season title took it away from the Villanova Wildcats. Uh, Providence is a very interesting team because I think one day you can have one of the best teams in college basketball, and the other days you can have one of the most mediocre. Very inconsistent. Um, Ed Cooley is a very good coach. I don't think it comes down to coaching. I just think it's uh, inexperience, uh, the youth of this Providence team, and Providence really isn't – they're a team that usually makes the tournament, but they're not used to making it this far. And so – and Kansas is a, like I said, a blue blood. They make it year in and year out. They're normally Sweet 16 Elite Eight every year. I like the Friars. I think that we will see them again in tournaments to come. And they've impressed me so far in the tournament with wins over South Dakota State, who was, a, who was on like a 28-game win streak coming into the tournament. And uh, over Richmond, who was trying to make a Cinderella run of their own after they beat Iowa, who was a team that I liked a lot coming into the, the tournament. And so I'm impressed with Providence, but I think Kansas has it locked up. I had Iowa in this game. My brother Keegan Murray. Obviously, that didn't happen. Yeah. Because here's Providence. I had Iowa beating Kansas in this game. My feelings are still hurt. That's not what we get to watch tomorrow night. I watched Providence a couple of times this year. I see the hype. I see the criticism. Kansas is more consistent. Yeah. Kansas is way more consistent. And they have a player of the year candidate and Ochai. I'm going to have to go with Kansas. Yeah. Me too. Nick, I, I have to run, my brother. I yeah. apologize. To no, it's all good. We got to we went a little too far in depth in Texas Tech, but it's fine. Do you want me to give you some like quick hitters for the road? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think that Villanova will ultimately beat Arizona on that side. And I th- like I think whoever prevails between Nova and Arizona comes out from the right side of the bracket and we'll goes be in the natty. That's how I see it. Like they'll either beat mm-hmm. Kansas or they'll beat you know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. who's that's who's gonna get out in my opinion. So they'll they'll probably beat Kansas in the final four. And then on the left, truthfully, I I find it to have more parity. I think Texas Tech could make a run. I think Duke could make a run. I think Gonzaga, as I told you, could win it all. And then I think I think that uh, UCLA, UCLA could do the same thing. Yep, that's that's mine. That's mine as well. Yeah, those hitters <laughs> for the road. They were uh, one game that I wish we could have got to is one that's it's intriguing, but for an opposite way. It's because it's two double digits. That Iowa State Miami game. That has a yeah. level of intrigue behind it, but just because it's so – it wasn't two teams that a lot of people would have projected. We rocking with the Big 12? Yeah, I'm going Cyclones. Yeah, let's go Cyclones. Big 12 all day. Yeah. Hey, Reckham, uh, Peckham. Peckham. B-Blue, LCU and Texas Tech, both on 19th Street. Yeah. What, a, what a great city to live in. Ben. Lubbock, Texas, baby. But good luck to Coach Adams and the guys tonight. Nick, thanks. Yeah. sorry for – I got to run another meeting. Yeah, it's all good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You're doing a great job. 
and it's the best time of the year. It is. It's March. I'm running. I'm running dual TVs in my living room right now. It's <laughs> just. It's a wonderful time of the year. Yeah. Enjoy the game tonight, Keegan. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, the show will hopefully be out tonight in time for all the games, so you can listen in after Tech hopefully wins. After we're done with that for tonight, but I do appreciate you coming on, and I'll take over from here. All right, I man. You, Thanks, Nick. God bless, mm-hmm. brother. Yes, sir. You too. And so picking up from where we just left off, I will go a little bit more in-depth into that Iowa State-Miami game. As I said, I like the Cyclones in this game. I think that they're a team that early on in the year was uh, a top, top, not maybe a top 25 team, but a top 30, 35 team. Had a lot of talent on their team and then just hit a very, very um, low streak in their in their playing they, the Big 12 is a tough conference, very tough conference to play in. You have Baylor, Texas Tech, Texas, uh, TCU, Kansas. Uh, even Kansas State was making a little bit of a run there towards the end. And so Iowa State is a team that I think just got the, the short end of the stick in conference play, but they haven't had to play another Big 12 school yet, and they won't unless they run into Kansas, which I'll get into a little bit later. But Iowa State is just a team that I feel like has the talent to make an Elite Eight Final Four run. At the beginning of the year, I thought so, and I believe they were ranked in the top preseason top 15. And now they're playing like a team, uh, that same team that was ranked 15th or above. And even as an 11 seed, I feel like the Cyclones are very intriguing. And now don't get me wrong, Miami is the exact same way. That's why I like this matchup so much, is because they're both so intriguing they're both teams that play in um, high-level conferences. ACC, not so much this year, and that's why I think the Hurricanes were overlooked. But Miami is a good team. Uh, coach uh, Larinaga, he is a very, very good coach down there. I remember him from watching Miami back when I was a, a young kid, back when I was just starting high school. Man, I can't believe that it's been – I remember watching – this is a little bit off track, but I remember watching that. Villanova-North Carolina game, and I was a freshman in high school, and now that seems like ancient history, which we'll get into that later because that's one of my favorite tournament memories, a little bit of a jumping the gun there. But um, Miami is just a very intriguing team, same with Iowa State. Uh, I would argue that Miami has beaten the better opponent in Auburn. Uh, In my bracket, I had Auburn all the way in the national championship. I was all the way on the Tiger hype train. I thought that back when Texas Tech uh, lost the national championship to Virginia, I was on the uh, opinion that Auburn was going to beat Virginia and we were going to get Tech-Auburn. And so I was like, oh, this year's the year we get Tech-Auburn because I felt cheated out of watching it um, all the way back then when I was a, a uh, oh, I, I would have been a junior in high school when that game happened. And so um, I, w- I just felt I felt a little bit cheated. And then Miami came out and crushed my dreams again. Another ACC team. And so the Hurricanes, very intriguing. But I just think Iowa State played in the better conference. I think Iowa State has a lot of momentum. Uh, this is uh, probably the going to be the most evenly matched game in the Sweet 16 besides Texas Tech and Duke. And, of course, Texas Tech and Duke is the better game because they're, they're better teams and it's a higher-level matchup because of Coach K. But I feel like the two... Best teams of the weekend, ironically, both Big 12 ACC, Texas Tech and Duke, and then Iowa State and Miami. And so to end with uh, the last game of the Sweet 16, I have UCLA and UNC. And, uh, or I don't know why I said UNC. It's North Carolina. They need no introduction. They're the blue bloods of all blue bloods, in my opinion. It doesn't get any higher than 
than North Carolina. And so in this game, even though I just said that, UCLA has the most national championships. Not like that matters. They both haven't. North Carolina has been the better team as of recently, and they both uh, have, haven't have um, gotten a title in the last – actually, North Carolina won it about four years ago. But they're both, you know, uh, not, not what they were back in uh, their glory days, but they're on the road back because, I mean, they're in the Sweet 16, of course. But uh, and these are two brand-new teams, uh, very, very young teams. Uh, UCLA took all that young talent they had from last year's Final Four run and brought it back and refined it. And it's a team that I've been hot on since the start of the season. I, it's a team that I th- was a Jalen Suggs miracle buzzer beater away from, in my opinion, making the national championship game. And I think they could have given Baylor a run for their money. I still think that Baylor team is one of the best that I've seen. And so I think that the Bears still would have prevailed. But UCLA, like I said, had a chance at a national title last year, and they got even better. And so I really like the Bruins. Then again, the Tar Heels are hot. And in March, it's not about – it is about your talent, but it's more about who is intense and who is on the hot streak going into March. And there is no one hotter right now in March besides maybe St. Peter's than North Carolina. And no disrespect to the Peacocks, but North Carolina is a heck of a lot better than St. Peter's. And so the Tar Heels are on a hot streak, and uh, Brady Manick, he is going off. If that, if that guy never would have got a flagrant and fouled out of that game against Baylor, Baylor doesn't make that comeback. And so he is a bad man. He single-handedly beat the defending national championships. And if I'm UCLA, I would be a little nervous, but at the same time I'm confident because I have Johnny Juzang, I have Javi Hawkins, I have that loaded team, uh, and I have the name UCLA written on my jersey. It doesn't get better than North Carolina and UCLA. So while this isn't, you know, two number one seeds or isn't, you know, the traditional powerhouses um, or the tournament favorites this year, it's still North Carolina, UCLA. These are two of the best teams in college basketball history, and they're going against each other in the nightcap of the Sweet 16. Actually, the uh, sec- the third game of the night, not the nightcap. I apologize. I think I assumed just because it's California it would have been a nightcap. But... We have two teams going up against each other that are very evenly well-matched. I think you have a team that's consistent, and UCLA hasn't really fumbled a lot throughout the year, really stayed in that middle-of-the-pack, top-tier, you know, top-10, top-15 level. And you have uh, North Carolina that um, had their stumbles throughout the year but now is peaking at the right time. But I like the Bruins in this game to round out my Elite Eight. So my predictions for the Elite Eight are Purdue – Kansas um, coming out of the Midwest, or coming out of the East. Oh, I apologize. They're different. Those are the first two games. So I have Purdue and UCLA coming out of the East. It gets a little confusing looking at it because I'm looking at game times. And then Providence and Iowa. I mean, woo, not Providence. Oh, boy. I'm looking at the team names, getting a little bit ahead of myself. Let's Let's take a deep breath and out. There we go. A lot of games, a lot of confusing with the geographic locations and teams like UCLA are playing in the East, and so I get confused because that team's in California. They're not in the East, but I digress. Coming out of the South, let's go all the way back to the top. Coming out of the South, I have Houston taking on Villanova, and coming out of the West, I have Texas Tech taking on Gonzaga, and then coming out of the East, I have Purdue taking on UCLA, 
And then coming out of the Midwest, I have Kansas taking on Iowa State. And that is my Elite Eight prediction. And now just quickly, like Keegan said, a little rapid fire so we can get into the second half of the show. And I don't want to go too in-depth into these predictions and these breakdowns of predictions because who knows if they're even going to happen. But I want to do a quick now little, you know, fill out my quote-unquote second chance bracket because Lord knows I need one because mine is completely busted. Auburn's gone. I put the Horned Frogs in the Final Four because I'm biased. Got to have faith in your team. But uh, had I not picked TCU, I probably would have picked Houston or Villanova, which is who I have, which doesn't mean anything because I could say, oh, I could have, and hindsight's always twenty twenty, And could have doesn't mean anything. I picked TCU. I have to I have to swallow that and swallow my pride and admit that I picked TCU, which we played a good game, but I'm not getting into that. I'm, I'm over it. I'm just excited we have more basketball to get into. And so quickly going over, going to that top um, – top section of the bracket texas tech and gonzaga coming out of the west i think the west regional championship will belong to the texas tech red raiders i like the way that they match up uh defensively i think gonzaga is well coached and like like we said earlier these are two teams that are trying to cement their status as basketball schools as the cream of the crop and both trying for their first national title this is going to be a gritty hard-nosed fight i I do not know who is a bigger threat for Texas Tech, Duke or Gonzaga. It may just be for proximity bias, like because this game is so big tonight. I'm inclined to say it's Duke just because Duke, like I said, Duke has that championship pedigree. And so that's why I think Tech and Gonzaga match up more is Duke has their 20 plus. They don't have 20 national titles, but they have a plethora of national titles and they have that pedigree that Tech doesn't. But Gonzaga doesn't have that pedigree. Yes, they're more successful than Texas Tech has been. But in recent memory, these are two extremely similar teams. Teams that have made national title games and lost in heartbreaking fashion. And so I like the Red Raiders. Give me the Red Raiders coming out of the West. Those boys from Lubbock are crashing the party again. They're going to be partying down in the bayou down in New Orleans. Give me the Red Raiders. I like Texas Tech in that game against Gonzaga. Red Raiders are going to New Orleans in the Final Four. And moving on to the South region, we have, um, in my opinion, it's going to be Houston versus Villanova. And like I said, writing that gut feeling, these are two teams that I would not be disappointed if either, um, if either one wins the game. And like Keegan said, I think whoever wins this region finds their way to the national championship. Uh, do I think they win? Probably not. But they have a chance, especially Villanova. And so I like this region a lot. I like both of these teams. I think both of these teams are title contenders for different reasons. Villanova has their great fundamentals. Houston has that great defense. And like I said, I have no real reason besides just a gut feeling to say it, but give me the Cougars. I think the Houston, that Houston, the U of H, um, long Long gone from Phi Slamma Jamma, but they're going back to back-to-back Final Fours for the first time since those days of Benny Anders and Clyde Drexler and Akeem Olajuwon. The Cougars are going back to the Final Four, and this time they're going to New Orleans. And in my opinion, they will take on the Kansas Jayhawks. I think coming out of the Midwest against Iowa State, I love the story of the Cyclones, but man, Kansas, and this is a team that Kansas has seen twice already this year. It's a team Iowa State's. Seen twice already this year in Kansas, and Kansas is just the cream of the crop when it comes to the Big 12. 
I would love for Iowa State to knock off the Jayhawks. I do I don't dislike the Jayhawks as much as I dislike other teams, but I definitely don't like them as much as I like other teams. And so for the Jayhawks, I think the road ends here. Or I mean, not the Jayhawks. For the Cyclones, I think the road ends here. Uh, great season. If you would have asked me at the end of the Big 12 tournament, do I think Iowa State makes the Elite Eight? Heck no. And so great job for the Cyclones, but I think uh, Kansas just has experience playing them, and I feel like the Jayhawks get it done. And so uh, out of the – and now the last region coming out of the East, um, UCLA and Purdue, I like UCLA. UCLA – has had more experience um, just from last year making the Final Four. Purdue has their pedigree, but they struggle in big-name games. They struggled against Virginia when they won the national title. Give me the Bruins. I like UCLA. And finishing out to go to the national title game coming out of the East. I mean, not coming out of the East. Coming out of that, uh, yeah, East versus West matchup. We have UCLA versus Texas Tech. Um, give me Texas Tech in that game. I think that UCLA is a nice shooting team, nice offensive team, stuff like that. And I feel like this will be a lot like the Gonzaga-UCLA game last year. Uh, this will be the close game of the night. I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if it comes down to a possession or two. But I, I like Texas Tech's defense, and I think their defense is able to smother out the Bruins and end their run in the Final Four back-to-back -back years. And then on the other side, the South and the Midwest, um... I like the Cougars. I really do. Um, we've seen Texas Tech's defense shut down Kansas a couple times this season. And like I said, it's really hard to compare Tech and Houston's defense, which one's truly better because of the difference of conferences. But I feel like they're very similar. I don't think anyone plays better defense in the country than Texas Tech and Houston. Um, and again, I just have a gut feeling about this Cougars team. Like I said, I don't think that at this level, they haven't showed me that they can win a national title. But after tonight against Arizona, maybe they do show me something. I feel like just a little bit of burst in offense. And in, if they can get hot, this Cougars team can capture their first national title. And again, I just have this gut feeling. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I mean, no harm, no foul. Who saw St. Peter's beating Kentucky? And so if I'm wrong about this Cougars team, I'm wrong. But from what I see, I really like Coach Kelvin Sampson's squad. And I know the Jayhawks are good, and I, I respect the Jayhawks, and I feel like this will be another, you know, tough, gritty game. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Jayhawks win. This is one game where I think Houston actually would be an underdog, and this is where Houston would bow out. But I just – there's something about these Cougars, and you know what? And just because of the pure intrigue of this matchup, give me the Cougars in that game. And so my national championship prediction, which is probably going to be extremely wrong, I have the Texas Tech Red Raiders and the Houston Cougars, an all-Lone Star matchup, uh, former Southwestern Conference rivals, and soon-to-be newly renewed Big 12 rivals as soon as Houston makes the transition over, meeting up down in New Orleans. And I have to be honest, this game is so intriguing because it's, like I said, the two best defenses in the country – but if I had to pick one just based on strength of schedule, I would take Texas Tech. And like I said, I'm not a huge Texas Tech fan. I definitely root for them since they're down the street, but I'm more of a TCU guy myself. And no one was harder on Texas Tech this season than me. I called that upset against TCU. I was like, Tech has not impressed me that much. In the Big 12 title uh, tournament, I was like, th they're not looking too good. 
But I do know, like I said, from being so close to them and watching them against TCU, this Texas Tech team has some of the best talent in the country. It reminds me so much of that first uh, national title game appearing team with Chris Beard, but I feel like this team is just more complete. They're more together. Um, the coaching is better with Mark Adams. I think he's better than Beard, and I'm not just saying that because I'm biased uh, or because uh, I'm anti-Chris Beard or whatever. I like this Texas Tech team, and there's just something about them. Um, they've had their slumps, like I said, against Oklahoma, against TCU, but just – and I've given them a hard time, but I know when Texas Tech plays to their ability – the way that they've been playing and the way that they hopefully play tonight against Duke, this Texas Tech team can beat anyone in the country. And I would love for nothing more than all my friends that are Tech fans, and I would love for nothing more than the city of Lubbock to have a Division One national championship banner hanging from the rafters of the United Supermarkets Arena. So that ends my prediction uh, segment of the show for the 2022 tournament. And now I'd like to go back to the past for a little bit for this last uh, 10 or so minutes of the podcast because I need to get going here at about 2.30 uh, since I have a class actually at 2.40. I'm sure the professor would be understanding, especially because I was with Keegan for a little bit and I can say, hey, I need to do a podcast and stuff like that. But I digress. No one cares about the semantics of my podcast. You're here for basketball. And so just for a little bit, I'd like to take time to reminisce. It's something that I've been really uh, – uh, it's been on my mind. Anytime the tournament comes around, I like to go back and look at teams and look at documentaries uh, about March Madness and the history of it and why it's so important and look back at teams I remember watching. And so I just like to uh, share that with y'all. And this gets into the more pop culture segment because we're going to talk about documentaries and filmography and stuff like that. So we're kind of mixing it up. We're talking about sports and movies and all this. Oh my goodness. But, um, some of my favorite memories of the NCAA tournament, my personal memories, stuff that I saw with my own eyes, the biggest one I think of, besides Texas Tech, I mentioned earlier, the Villanova Wildcats with that insane buzzer beater over North Carolina. You had a team that was – Villanova is a blue blood. I will go ahead and say they're one of the best teams out of the Big East. They were always one of the best, even when the conference started, but only had one national title to show – going up against Big Bad North Carolina, a very good North Carolina team, and they captured their second title the f for the first time in 30 years. And just seeing seeing that shot go in, I believe uh, – I know Archie Diacono made the pass because I remember the call in my head, but I'm blanking on the exact name of the player that was able to make that buzzer beater. But then just the call and hearing that, oh, my goodness, Villanova – the national champions and seeing Coach Rolly Massimino, uh, the coach of that 85 national championship team, just fall down and just the celebration. And I've always liked Villanova. Villanova is a team that I have nothing against. I really like the Wildcats. They matched up with Texas Tech a few times before, which made it a little bit hard because I don't think anyone in Lubbock really dislikes the Wildcats. They really haven't done anything to us. And so it's a matchup I never like seeing when anyone – uh, like TCU or Texas Tech has to match up with the Wildcats. And so that was just one of my favorite memories, just taking it back to stuff that I've seen. Another one, of course, that Texas Tech national title run. Again, I am not a Texas Tech fan, not a not a diehard one at least. And uh, just But seeing – I grew up in post-Texas, which is about 40 minutes south of Lubbock, and going through high school, and I remember 
it was my junior year, and I was in one act and stuff. And I remember going to one act play competitions, and being at the award show and uh, looking over the shoulder of someone and watching that Final Four game against Michigan State and Texas Tech. I remember um, school letting out early that day and everyone in the school wearing Texas Tech gear and us letting out. I don't think we let out early, but we had something special at school that day um, where we cheered on the Red Raiders and we were all united as a community. So even though they're not my favorite team, I do find a sense of unity behind the Red Raiders. I cheer for those people that are from Lubbock, Texas. I have a love for Texas Tech and that basketball team. I would love for nothing more for them to win. And so when when they t- went up against Virginia, I had this feeling of I'm behind you, Texas Tech, this regionalism, this idea of I can say that I live in the area of a national champion of Texas Tech. And that's what I want. That's why I am so high on this tech bandwagon, especially now that Texas uh, that TCU went out. I would love for my Horn Frogs to do great. But now that they're gone, I want nothing more than a Texas Tech national title. I would love to be able to tell people, hey, I went to school in Lubbock, and I was able to see that Texas Tech National Championship team. I lived in Lubbock with a bunch of national champions. I can already say that because I go to school at Lubbock Christian, and we're one of the best Division II schools. But let's be honest. A lot of people only look at Division I. And especially here in Texas, you look at Baylor, you look at UT, and no one looks at little old Texas Tech. And so that's why, like I said, I'm not a huge fan, and I do like TCU more. But anytime anyone comes after Tech, I feel attacked because mostly it's about, oh, if you're in Little West Texas, who cares about West Texas, any of that. So like I said, it's more of a regionalism thing than it is more so I'm a Tech fan. But I remember watching that national championship run, man, and I thought Tech had it. And I was so excited. And then when Virginia took him down, I already didn't like Virginia. It was just something about him. And uh, we'll talk about Virginia in the next one, actually, because there's another one that is a big moment that ties into my why why I disliked Virginia, or at least that brought me joy. But I just never liked Virginia. And watching this ACC school win, I know they never won a national title, but they still played in the ACC with um, North Carolina and Duke and this and yada, 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 ACC that. And hadn't been a Texas school one that won since UTEP, or as it was known back then, Texas Western. And Baylor finally broke that streak. That's the one time I've rooted for the Bears, my most hated rival. Um, But other than that, man, I was just so excited for Tech. And that was heartbreaking. And so I hated watching Virginia win. And speaking of Virginia, this is the double-edged sword. This was the two-year – this was just as – I had the opposite emotions, I'm sure, of the of the Cavaliers team. But over the span of two years, I found great joy in watching the defeat of Virginia and then watching the crushing defeat of watching Virginia defeat Texas Tech. But the year before, this is probably – this is up there with that uh, Virginia uh, Villanova-North Carolina game. Watching 16 seed UMBC take down Virginia, the first one to beat a one seed, and let alone it was Virginia – a team that I already didn't like before they beat Tech. And so I was laughing. I never saw so much joy. I was so happy that it was 16-1 because I love an underdog story, and let alone it was against Virginia. And so I think that's – I disliked Virginia for that. And then I that's why I think why I felt so upset after that Tech – they beat Tech as well is because I was like, man, I was dogging on this these guys, and then they came in here, and they just took care of business. And so I think that's why – 
I've never had more contrasting feelings over two seasons because I got to watch Virginia lose, and then I got to watch Virginia beat a team that I was rooting so hard to pull off the victory. But UMBC, that was a – they didn't just win against Virginia. They beat Virginia by 20 points. That UMBC team was fantastic. Uh, I love that team. That team is iconic. That team is in history. By me talking about it, they'll continue to live on. And so um, that was uh, my favorite teams that I've seen in person. But my favorite teams all time, some of my favorite memories. Uh, if you notice, there's one team that I refuse to bring up when I talk about ACC and them being dominant and stuff. That's North Carolina State or NC State, however you want to call them, the Wolfpack. I absolutely love North Carolina State. I am an NC State fan, uh, not as much as uh, TCU or Tech, but if the Wolfpack are playing, I'm putting on that red and black, and I'm going for the pack. Um, I love NC State. Um, just their Cinderella story in 83. I remember when I was first getting into college basketball, I sat down and watched that 30 for 30 and learning about the story of North Carolina State. And I love history and learning about the history of college basketball and why this team was so important and just watching them. And even I love Houston as well, like I said, and so that was a very – I wish they would have beat someone other than Houston in the national title game, but um, I'm not going to complain because that, that Wolfpack team was something special. And so after learning the story of that 83 Wolfpack team, I've been a fan ever since. Jim Valvano is one of my favorite coaches of all time. Uh, God rest his soul. Um, so I, I wish that he was still with us today. He's a great coach. He's a great role model, great inspiration. I'm actually going to do a speech project over uh, the late coach Valvano. I just love that team. I love the Wolfpack, that 83 Wolfpack team, that 30 for 30 documentary, Survive in Advance. That whole team story is one of my favorites of all time, and I just absolutely love, love, love that team, love that story love everything about that 83 North Carolina team. But on the flip side, I love Phi Slamma Jamma. Houston in the 80s was a marvel. I I love everything about 80s college basketball. Um, and all, th all the things that I'm going to talk about, my favorite teams of all time, I'll just get out and say they're all 80s. Um, you have 80, you have Fly Phi Slamma Jamma, you have the Cardiac Pack, you have the Big East teams of Syracuse, St. John's, Villanova, Georgetown. I love 80s college basketball. Um, there was just something about it. It was just you had teams that had so much talent and icons. Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen. You have Akeem Olajuwon. You have Michael Jordan at North Carolina. I love 80s college basketball. And there's just something about it. Like I said, my favorites, if I had to pick some, it would be um, watching Georgetown play, watching Houston play, watching that North Carolina miracle team, Phi Slamma Jamma. I watched a documentary on that, and I felt so bad. And see, that's a, my favorite national championship game of all time is 1983. Those are two of my favorite teams. You have Phi Slamma Jamma Houston with Akeem the Dream Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler, who are two of my favorite basketball players of all time, taking on the greatest Cinderella team of all time, one of the greatest coaches of all time down there in the pit in Albuquerque like Keegan was talking about. I got excited when he said that because I knew I wanted to talk about this game. The 1983 NCAA National Championship game is the greatest college basketball national championship game ever to be played. You had the one of the 
best college basketball teams to ever set foot on the floor in Phi Slamma Jamma. In my opinion, I think it was the most talented. And then you had the greatest Cinderella story of all time. That game is incredible. I love that game. I love the story behind it from both sides, from the Houston side and the NC State side. And then moving on, the 80s brought us the Big East. And I'm a Southern boy, uh, Big 12, Southwestern Conference. I'm diehard. I love that. But I have a soft spot for the Big East. You look at teams like Syracuse, which I love Syracuse growing up because their mascot is an orange. Like, who has an orange as a mascot? And so I love Syracuse. St. John's, another one of my favorite coaches. Um, not, not, I almost said Massimino. Massimino's from Villanova. Lou, Louis Carnesecca, the coach of St. John's. I love that man. That man is awesome. He's such a great coach. I love the characters that you had in the Big 12. I mean, the, uh, the Big East. You had UConn. You had Seton Hall. You had Providence. You had all these great storied teams, and no one touched the Big East. In 80, in, in, uh, in 85, three of the uh, Final Four teams were Big East schools, St. John's, Villanova, and Georgetown. And the 85 National Championship is one of the best college basketball games ever, too, because you had Villanova, who wasn't as big, of a Cinderella is NC State because they were still they were a ranked team that year and they were still good and they were going to make the tournament uh, regardless but no one expected them to win a title so they're still a Cinderella and in my opinion that's one of the second or third greatest runs of all time uh, behind NC State but still the Villanova Wildcats no one expected them to win and the Big East was so good that one of their lesser teams beat the best one. And the Big East was just so dominant. And I love Georgetown. I know they beat them, but you have Patrick Ewing. You have John Thompson. You have all these icons of the game. And you have just these incredible matchups and these incredible Cinderella's and where you have NC State and Villanova and all these great stories. And you have the great conferences and the ACC. And you have all these great schools and all these great stories. Just 80s college basketball um, just reliving those now is what's made me such a big college basketball fan. And those are my favorite NCAA tournament memories as we get in. So we had Villanova uh, both in 85 taking down Georgetown in modern day. You had Texas Tech's national title run. You have the Cardiac Pack and their incredible run in 83. And then you had Five Slamma Jamma throughout the 80s in Houston. I love that team. That's one of my favorite teams of all time. Then you had North Carolina with Michael Jordan. I mean, come on. And and um, Michael Jordan and, oh, I'm blanking, it's Dean Smith. But you had Sam Perkins and James Worthy and all these great people on that North Carolina team. And they won an 82 on that buzzer beater. The 80s were just great for college basketball. The Big East, North Carolina State, Houston, North regular North Carolina, just great times. And those are some of my favorite memories. Every year during tournament time, I have to watch the Fight Slam and Jamming documentary and the Survive and Advance documentary and the Requiem for the Big East. I have to watch those three documentaries every single year at March Madness time and reminisce about the 80s. Even though I wasn't alive and NC State was 20 years before I was born, I love those games. And so just to wrap up, March is a great time of year. I hope that the tournament finishes out as great as all these ones that I mentioned, both uh, all the ones I've seen in my lifetimes and all the ones that I've seen previously. And so I just hope for a great, outstanding tournament throughout the rest of the tournament. And I hope you liked hearing about all of my favorite, m pardon me, all my favorite memories of the tournament. And just have a great 
rest of March Madness. I thank you guys for bearing with me through the hiatus. Um, I hope that you continue to listen. Um, I don't. I can't give a concrete schedule for episodes. Life is just so busy as a college student, a lot going on. But I definitely want to be more committed to this. And so just thank you for bearing with me. I hope you enjoyed listening to me and Keegan for the short time that he was here. And I just I look forward to coming back. Maybe I, I doubt I don't want to double up on tournaments, but um, definitely I will address the how right my predictions were. I may start a social media page for this, actually, that way and just talk about how right my predictions were and stuff like that. That way I don't have to uh, double up and do NCAA tourney and then come back and saturate the market because I'm sure uh, it it would get tiring if I just do the same stuff over and over and over, and my personality is nothing like that. So, like I said, I look forward to seeing how right my predictions were, how right Keegan's were. I looked, I liked reminiscing on the past, but I think we are just about out of time here on what's popping. Thank you for tuning into episode three. Thank you for bearing with me. I appreciate each and every one of you listeners, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you, and have a blessed day.